You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 131 called EdTech Tools to Support Hot Topic Questions in Education. In this episode, we'll dive back into the Got Tech inbox as we answer some of our favorite listener questions of the past few months. We'll discuss a variety of topics, including AI, creativity tools, video resources for schools, and community engagement, along with many others. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. back for episode 131 this is one of our hodgepodge episodes but these end up being you know some of our favorite episodes because we're not just focusing on a particular practice like blended learning or uh, pbl or udl or anything like that we kind of get to go to many different topics based on you know the questions that we get over the last couple professional developments what we've been doing questions from teachers in our building, questions from social media and things like that. Over the last couple weeks, we've had, or the last couple episodes, I should say, I mean, or weeks, it doesn't matter, but (laughs) let's just uh, roll with it and say that, you know, we still are going to be presenting at ISTE uh, in Philadelphia in June. We'll put more specifics out as we get closer, but if you're going to be there, reach out. We've had several people reach out and say that you're going to be at ISTE. Uh, So hopefully we can meet up. And secondly, the NJECC conference is March 7th. That's the in-person day, which we'll be at. We'll be doing two sessions. One is our EdTech Throwdown, and the other one we are partnering up with uh, podcast friend uh, Chris Nessie uh, from the House of EdTech Podcast. And we're going to bring you the uh, a, a panel on basically everything student content created, whether it's podcasts, whether it's uh, designing things, uh, anything along those lines, just getting students out there to be content creators, teaching them some of the soft skills that they need to be successful, whether they're going to college or going into the workforce. So we're very excited about that. Uh, We're very excited to partner up with another podcasting buddy and uh, that once again will be March 7th. Yep, and I'm excited for all of those uh, different um, you know, uh, conferences. It's always a great time. Come check us out if you are in the area of Philadelphia, New Jersey, and the surrounding states. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Do you want to jump straight into the main uh, bulk of the episode with some of these questions? Yeah, and, and as we said, these are things that came in from multiple different avenues of life. Uh, actually, one of them was in a grocery store, so that was pretty cool. Uh, it was in a grocery <laughs> store. It was one of my teaching buddies from a neighboring district. So we're very excited to get into these. Uh, I think we have a lot of great ed tech solutions to some of these questions. Uh, as always, we just want to say that there's nothing out there that's going to replace good teaching. Uh, so we are a firm believer that you can easily run a classroom without using technology. Good teachers often do it. Uh, even other teachers that 
uh, might be new to the practice, sometimes uh, shy away from the EdTech solutions, which is perfectly fine. As long as you find ways that students are engaged, just roll with it. That's, that's all we have to say. But we're hoping that we present you with a couple of options that might enhance learning a little bit more and engage students a little bit more. And if you didn't know that you could ask us questions, you can totally ask us questions. Most of these come in via Twitter. That's the place where we are most consistently active. Uh, so if you find uh, Geis Got Teched or Nick Got Teched or the whole show, We Got Teched, on Twitter, you can send in those questions to us. Um, you know, if we happen to run into you in the grocery store, that's a way to do it as well, though that's less likely for sure. But really, any way you can think of, to get a hold of us, you can send these things in and we respond to people all the time. And um, chances are, if it's a good question and we think it's got something to add to what's happening currently, we'll bring it to the show. That's what's happening right now. I'm gonna read off the first one and because it kind of links back to our prior episode. Uh, so it's a good one to knock off the list straight away and that is addressing the topic of AI. Uh, the specific question says, AI is a hot topic in education right now. What are your thoughts or concerns about AI in education? Um, I assume this question or this person is referring to the emergence of chat GPT. We talked about it a lot in our previous episode. We're not going to go into that depth this time. But if you want to know a lot more, check out episode 130. The gist of it is you can have this, um, you know, this AI service called ChatGPT will answer very complex questions. It'll write essays, it'll write code. It's the same company that produced something called DAL-E, which we'll actually talk about later in this episode, uh, which is an AI art generator. But it's a big deal for teachers because this means that students have a new way to not do the work themselves. They can ask ChatGPT the question and it's not just gonna spit out answers, it spits out like fully newly composed, sometimes well thought out text. So it's a big deal. Um, you know, the gist of my take on it, and I think you're gonna echo whatever I say here, but I'll, I'll do the fast version anyway, is yes, it's a problem, but just like anytime something new comes out in ed tech, we can deal with it. And there's a way you can, there's ways that you can roll with that as a teacher, such as different, you know, checkers that will actually be able to tell if AI has been used to generate text. So as soon as you know that that's a thing and then that's being worked on right now, that a lot of that stuff is available right now already. ChatGPT has only been a, a major topic for a few weeks and already there's tools to check if ChatGPT has been used or if AI has been used to write something. Kind of takes the edge off a little bit. So yes, it's a problem, but yes, there's some very simple ways around it too. I'm going to kind of agree, but I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. You, you called AI a problem. I'm not going to say it's, it's a problem. I, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's an opportunity. I think if you've run your classroom in a way that it's a safe space, you're open with your students that it is out there, and you show them ways that you could check up on them as far as telling whether something is AI generated, I think that will deter them from using it in a way that it's not supposed to be used. I think sometimes as teachers, when we try to keep secrets and they figure it out, that's when problems arise. Be straightforward and address it. 
And I think AI is just another way to enhance education. There are clever ways out there that you could use it in a beneficial way. Uh, for example, I, 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 we didn't really want to talk about AI today. We've been doing it for two episodes, but as soon as we want to, you know, put that in the back seat, we find something like CuriPod. All right, it was funny because uh, you and I were talking about CuriPod a couple weeks back because someone that we know is going to be doing a presentation on it, and then one of our tech teachers from the middle school uh, reached out and she shared it with us and we love when she does it because she finds a lot of gems and shares it with us so we can put it on the podcast. Um, but this is one that she shared and we were kind of had it on the list as something to do and we forgot about it for a little bit. When I say a little bit, I'm talking days because these are popping up left and right and um, we got a sneak peek of this with uh, someone that was going to present it at a conference. And uh, I'm really, really glad that this one was brought back up. It's called CuriPod. And really, I'm going to say this is for teachers. This is AI for teachers. And when I look at this um, tool, this AI tool, it's, it's very easy to use. And it kind of reminds me of like a Nearpod and uh, um, Pear Deck like something on those lines, what you do is you put descriptors of the type of lesson that you want to create. And what it's going to do is it's going to create a very good looking presentation about your topic. For example, I put in podcasting, I linked a couple standards to it. Uh, and then what it did is, um, because I said intro to podcasting lesson, it came up with all these slides and the first slide it's just says in a few words describe what podcasting is to you and it has a podcast background uh, at the top it has a little code that the students can put in go to curie.live and then there's like a pin that they can put in to be part of that lesson and then the first slide is just enter a few words that describe what podcasting is to you and the activity is time for two minutes and it's gonna make a word cloud out of all the student responses. I mean, how cool is that? It's really it's, cool. It's just right there, that's your do now. All right, the next slide is podcasting, a fun way to learn, and it, it says, listen to experts in the field, discover new and interesting topics, stay up to date with current events. So if you wanted to, you could go in there and add a podcast next to each one of those and provide them with an example of what they are, maybe a little clip of each podcast. All right, so that's just a, a note-taking slide, if you, if you will. The next one is concepts. It says, podcasting is a method of publishing audio programs over the internet for anyone to download. Talks a little bit about RSS feeds and podcast hosting platforms. This is stuff that Nick and I go over in our World Ready One class where students are making podcasts. This is a great slide. Next one is fun facts. All right, first podcast was published in 2003. Apple's iTunes apps is the most popular podcast listening platform. It should say Apple Podcast now. Um, and then there's over 550,000 podcasts currently available. I think that's wrong too. So you still gotta check some of these statistics. I think that is right from a couple of years ago maybe, but I think we're well over a million podcasts by now. 
All right, so the next slide is another activity. Work together in pairs. What did you learn from today's discussion about podcasting? So it's an open question. They get a couple of minutes and the results are going to be displayed as a like almost like a padlet with little post-its. All right, so we're bringing in a third ed tech tool here. It's, it's pretty cool. All right, there's another open question for the next slide and then they can have a little brain break in there which uh, says draw a picture of a talking rhinoceros wearing a top hat and they could do a drawing on this slide and it's going to um, put all their drawings into another display board uh, and then you can also add a poll here all right so the next one is uh, what is podcasting and there's a multiple choice question obviously you could change this and edit it your way but some of the other things are word clouds, drawings, open questions, headers, texts, uh, polls. Uh, let me slide down here. Text and media. So you could add media, media and text. They're just two different layouts. Title and media. So how you design your, your slide. And you could also do a full screen media. So if you want to embed a YouTube video there, you can make it full screen, which is very, very easy to do. Uh, you could also import full PowerPoints or PDFs into this program, uh, which is another very cool thing. So CuriePod is something I could see very, very useful for teachers. Right now it's free. You, there, it, I think it has like a free plan and then uh, you, know, you could upgrade it. I'm going to go into that real quick. So you... Uh, you get five private CuriePods, a shared workspace, uh, email chat report, unlimited participants, and all the core features. And that's going to be free. And it says free forever. So I think you could delete them as you use them and still work within that five, which is awesome. Now, the uh, premium is $15 per month. And then they say that you can uh, get a school site license or a district license. But... Uh, I think I think the free is good for me for right now. Uh, I think you can easily work within there. So I'm very excited about CuriePod. I think it's a great way to get some interaction. I think it's a great way for teachers to get lesson ideas and things like that. And the point is that just like students can use AI to write papers for them, teachers are are you know have opportunities with this as well. Like using AI to design the entire lesson for you and the, sort of give you the, the tools to orchestrate it. So that's really cool that this kind of stuff is coming out. And, and just remember there are ways, like anything else, to deal with the, the student side where when you need them to be writing their own work, well, you, can, you can definitely make that happen. Let's jump into the second question, which is all about uh, Canva. This person says the last episode was all about Canva. Are there any other creative tools that you use? This is one of our favorite areas to work in as teachers. And the answer, of course, is yeah, we have tons of creative tools. We've done for sure multiple episodes in the past on just creativity at tech. Um, you know, our favorite one by far is Canva. That's why we've done an entire episode on it recently. And there's some others out there that are a lot like that. Uh, VizMe or VizMe is one that we've mentioned before. 
which is another sort of graphic design tool, very similar to Canva. People like Genially as well as another good spot to go for these types of like infographic-y graphics design type places. I, I think Canva gets the edge over both of those tools, but you know, by themselves, they're also really, really great. Um, Adobe Spark is another one that we've talked about before, kind of side by side with Canva. All very popular, very well used, and, and worth your time if you're gonna get into some creativity tools. This would be asking your students to you know, design their own infographics rather than just looking at one. Or if you've got a classroom poster project, you can digitize that and have that uh, the poster become a digital poster you, uh, made w with one of these tools, and, and they're just great. I have to mention, just since we are coming out of the AI question, and in particular focusing on chat GPT, that's the company who did that is called OpenAI. OpenAI for years now has uh, had another tool um, called DAL-E, now it's officially DAL-E2 though. And it's a, I mentioned it at the top of the episode, it's an AI art generator. You can type in stuff like some of the samples they have is uh, an armchair in the shape of an avocado or a photo of a white fur monster standing in a purple room. Here's another weird one. Here's a, a Van Gogh style painting. So you can actually give it and ask for style elements. A Van Gogh style painting of an American football player and it thinks for a few seconds and then it spits out a bunch of different images and they're really great. They're super cool. Um, you could use this as maybe the beginnings to a creative writing lesson in class or a creative writing activity where the kids get to think of their own prompt. It generates an image and then that image becomes the inspiration for what they write. So you know, people get all very worked up with things like Dolly too, because it raises all sorts of big questions like what, you know, what is art or do we need humans creating art if an AI can do it? And, um, you know, like with most things here at Got Tech, we kind of just feel like, well, let's figure out how to use this, right? You can have the students let Dolly too do the art. That doesn't take away from other human beings who are actually creating their own art. That's always been awesome and is still awesome. But now we've also got this that can be used in other fun, creative ways. So just in the theme of AI, I thought I'd, I'd bring up Dolly E2 as far as creativity tools. Yeah, I like Dolly too because it kind of levels the playing field a little bit for those non-artist type like myself. Uh, I, I will say when you said, you know, have a white, fur monster in a <laughs> purple room. I, I thought that would be an awesome one, Van Gogh style. Right. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is we use images in projects all the time, whether we're going to Google Images. To me, it's really no different. I, I think there's a value to uh, human-made art that exists beyond something that is like this. I mean... I, I just think people who have artistic talent, they're magnificent and they get it and they're just awesomely creative. And I think you could tell the difference between something that is AI generated versus something on a canvas. And I think that speaks volumes for the artist. So I'm not really too concerned with uh, that. I know there are probably art teachers out there that have a strong difference in opinion. I know I had this uh, talk with one of our art teachers and uh, totally understand 
their point of view. But at the same time, uh, I, I could see how it could be used in a non-art type way that, you know, might be okay. All right, so I have three under this uh, this particular question. Uh, they're very, very easy to understand tools, so I'm just going to kind of do a quick brief overview. The first one is vocalremover.com, and it sounds exactly like the URL. It will take away the vocals from a song. So the instrumental and the vocals will be in two different tracks. So you can decide whether or not you want to use the vocals only or if you want to use the instrumental only. And I think that's a very powerful tool because, I don't know, you could get creative with that. What if you're teaching music theory or something like that and you have the vocals, you play them the original song and you tell them that you want them to stylistically give it a different kind of look to it. And they use one or the other and they come up with the missing piece. So vocal remover is one that is pretty darn cool. Uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, the next one is Mydomi, which is powered by Soundhound. Uh, so I remember when you know, cell phone apps first came out, and uh, you would stick your f app out there, and there'd be a phone, uh, some type of music playing in the room, and you'd use your phone to identify what song it is. What is that app? I can't think of the name of it for the life of me. It's driving me nuts. I I can't remember. God, it uh, so maybe huge. it was Soundhound. I don't know. Nah, it was some. Everybody had it, but I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Well, Soundhound has an app. Um, as well that does that but madomi.com and to be in the show notes will allow you to discover search and play any song so basically all these songs uh, that you type in are linked to uh, their YouTube video so you can get them all in one one area but then there's also a little musical note next to it and if you have a SoundHound account or Spotify or Apple or Amazon or Deezer account, uh, you can play it on those apps and easily mark it as one of your favorites if you have one of those subscriptions. So I, I think this just um, makes a one-stop shop for music. Uh, I think there's also a cart there, so I'm guessing you can also buy a digital copy of it. Uh, but what I'm saying here that I really, really like is uh, when I do work, I like to listen to music. It helps me be creative, so I put this in there as my uh, creative topic just for that reason. It allows me to kind of be more relaxed and more open to creativity. And uh, my last one is called Copy Char, as, but it's really copy <laughs> character, but it's C-H-A-R, dot C-C. Uh, how many times in science do we try to find like a degrees? Uh, All the time. Yeah, it's simple. All the time. It's such a pain. I'm, I'm dealing with it right now because we're learning about chemical equations and the different types of arrows you can use and like Greek letters and there's all sorts of stuff. And you try to teach the kids how to use equation editors and you know, one of our favorite extensions called Equatio is, is great, but with, you know, school different filtering issues the kids can no longer add equatio so that's blocked it's this constant game of trying to figure out 
how do you get these special symbols into a dock? So this, I'm super pumped on this one. Yeah, it's also going to help like world languages because it has all the accent marks and things like that in there. It has fractions. It has degrees Celsius, degrees Fahrenheit, or just plain degrees. It has different arrows. It comes in different. These are, I'm looking at the most popular. That's a category, but you could also do letters, punctuation, math, numbers, currency, symbols, hieroglyphics. I think we use that every day, right? Uh, yeah, the hieroglyphics yeah. is actually pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're pretty neat. And the, the best part about this is that it takes no training. You know, even the easiest tool extensions that will do this like Equatio, you still kind of have to, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, learn it. It's, it's very simple. But with this one, there's literally nothing to learn. You just find the symbol you want, and they're all categorized, so you're not scrolling through, like, pages and pages and pages. You literally click it, and when you click it, it copies it to your clipboard for you, and then you just go to your document and do Control-V or Insert or a, you know, edit paste or whatever it is, and it's there. So there literally is no training whatsoever. Copychar.cc is um, most likely the new way that I'm gonna have students input uh, symbols into their docs. It's just too easy not to use it. All right, so this is a good time to get into our third question, and this is one of my favorite ones, uh, just because of the way it's worded. Teachers are hella busy. And in my mind, this sometimes leads to teachers missing out on opportunities to engage their students. What is one form of teaching that you feel is underutilized? Now, I think this is a great one. I think this answer can change for every single person out there. But uh, one thing I think that's very powerful is we're in, in the world of Netflix and streaming and all that. And sometimes I think when we play an entire video we learn out or we miss out on learning opportunities. So I think uh, for me, I feel like teaching is with a video is more effective when you chunk it. So you, you might show them a, you know, 15, five to 15 minute, you know, segment. Sometimes it even could be 30 seconds to a minute depending. But if you wanted to go on the long end, I'd say five to, you know, 10 minutes, somewhere in there. And then you kind of relate that piece of the video back to your material or you somehow work with the content within there and connect it to your course content. So I guess for this one, I, I just want to share a couple of different uh, places where you could get videos, collections of videos. And uh, the first one is called theachievery.com. And I got to throw credit where credit is due for this one. I heard this one from uh, Jen Giffen on the Shooks and Gift podcast. Um, I'm a frequent listener to her podcast. Uh, a lot of great stuff over there. She she calls them shares. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like the little jokes uh, that she does at the beginning of her episode. But her shares are also amazing. And... The Achievery is a collection of uh, different videos. Um, this is created by AT&T in collaboration with Warner Brothers Discovery. And uh, this video collection could be used by educators, uh, parents, and caregivers just to engage students anywhere and everywhere they learn, whether it's at home or in the classroom or somewhere in between. 
But at the top, you can search by category, such as English language arts, social emotional learning, technology, engineering, digital arts, math, science, and digital literacy. So I'm just gonna go down to science real quick, and I'm gonna go to high school biology. And when I go there, it allows me to uh, check grade level and also allows me to get into some uh, subtopics and things like that and core standards. It looks like this uh, is very new. It looks like they're still building out the library. Uh, there's not a lot there, but what is there is very, very cool. Uh, the one that I see is Aquaman, and this is for grades 9 through 12. Uh, I think, like I said, that they're still building it out. And I think this could be a very awesome tool where you could get some high quality content. It reminds me a little bit of Classhook, something on our uh, our other website, mytechbundle.com. And uh, kind of just pulling in these little video clips that you can use as hooks. It's funny this question came up because I just did my, my yearly uh, chemistry lesson on weak acids and weak bases and what that means. And I always show a clip from Breaking Bad where they take one of the like a dead body from one of the people that they kill along the way and they decompose and get rid of the body by reacting it with hydrofluoric acid. It's a really intense clip and it just does such a great job of capturing the kid's attention while making the point of, you know, what a weak acid is and, and is not. And, uh, you know, it's like a four and a half minute clip. And after that, not only do they really get what I'm trying to get across with that lesson but they're they're hyper focused because now they've got a you know a buy-in to what you're talking about so that's just you know for me definitely underutilized is pulling in these little video little video clips yeah another one is edpuzzle and if you go on edpuzzle their library is pretty extensive it's connected to youtube and oftentimes you can find uh full versions of videos whether they're videos outside of the copyright or other full versions which I have no clue how they get on there but they're on there so uh, I would check out Ed Puzzle's collection and see what you could use there oftentimes they're just very small chunks of a video that is pulled from a YouTube clip um, and other times they're full length so pick your poison there go check out those and then we will mention a couple other ones as well um, we have SchoolTube, which is a collection of educational videos, TeacherTube, which is also a collection of educational videos, and I just saw one that was pushed out by Matt Miller. Um, he was he was talking about it. It was called Teach Flix. It kind of looks like Netflix, but it's a collection of educational uh, videos. Kind of looks like the Netflix, but I think it also pulls from YouTube. So another really really cool site and and uh, those are the ones that we wanted to share for uh, video and uh, I was just thinking of different ways that we could use video in the classroom I I love doing my do nows or my conclusion activities with video you give them like a three-minute clip to watch independently I usually pull it from youtuber at puzzle and then uh, you give them some discussion questions so they get with one or two other people from the class and they go over some discussion questions and somehow that ties into whatever you're doing in class. I know I have one for photosynthesis. 
uh, where I pulled the most ridiculous video that I could possibly find on plants. It doesn't have to be like a photosynthesis uh, specific video. I'll just pull something on plants there and then I will uh, ask them some questions about the plant that was in the video. So it could really be uh, anything. I might pull a skiing video and it shows uh, evergreen pine tree that people are skiing around and then maybe some, you know, ones that, you know, their leaves fall throughout the winter and ask them a question about connecting those two. And it's as simple as that. And you, you go, you get their responses, and then you have an overall big group discussion. And then the next thing you know, you reinforce the concepts that you taught the day before. It's a great idea. And, uh, you know, you cannot go wrong with showing a video clip. Let's get into the fourth question. Uh, we've got five of these, by the way, so we're almost at the end here. This one is always one of my favorites to talk about. This person says, what are ways to engage students in the school community or the larger school community? And we're gonna extend that out to the community at large. So that means like not just the school, the town, county, maybe even state that you are, are living in. That's another great way to you know, increase engagement for your kids if the stuff they're working on in class actually has something to do with where they live in their lives and it's going to have extra importance um, we've got four ideas that we thought about prior to this i'm going to bring up two of them uh, one of them is a something that our school is currently doing which is a school-wide points-based game this is not orchestrated by us or any teachers it's actually our administration right now is running um really you know a, a points it's hard to describe it because the way that students in different groups get points is just a variety of things. So it might be a certain amount of points are allotted for attendance, whichever team. I think the uh, teachers and students are all put together on these two different teams, the black team and the gold team. And the team with the best attendance gets a certain amount of points. And then that gets added in and, and every quarter they add up the market, the winners uh, based on these points and those winners actually get stuff. There's prizes to go around. It's kind of a cool thing to make, um, you know, make the kids part of that school community in a way that doesn't require them to be on like a sports team or in a club. Just sort of by being present and being in school, they can participate and do uh, cool stuff. Yeah, there are, everything is linked. Um, sometimes we have uh, pep rallies pep rallies, uh, there's a basketball or volleyball or some type of obstacle course or something like that where teachers and students and grade levels and all that get involved and there's points there. There's points for uh, behavior, so whichever one has the least amount of discipline referrals or the most uh, positive uh, referrals, because we do both here, which I, I think is pretty awesome. It's awesome. Uh, you know, get points. Uh, there could be points based on uh, our next thing, which is choose a nonprofit to support. We have a nonprofit that we choose to support every month. It might be a coat drive, it might be a canned food drive, it might be working at a soup kitchen or something like that. And based on attendance or participation, based on what group they're on, they could get points. And I think. Supporting nonprofits, I think that does a lot uh, for showing students why it's important to serve your community. 
as you serve your community, the community gets better as a whole. And I think that's another solid way of engaging students who participate in a large school community. You could also have them participate in some type of a public service, whether that's like a, a maybe a video series that you craft to be like a public service announcement that is then shared out or posted online, or it could just be doing a, a project to help the community where um, me and you are gonna pretty soon in our World Ready Technology class gonna have our students designing um, uh, city flags. I found a cool podcast. It's actually a TED Talk that got, or no, it's a podcast that got turned into a TED Talk about city flags, and it, it's unique in that most people don't know that cities have flags. Uh, the podcast, by the way, is 99% invisible. If anybody wants to check it out, just want to give credit there. It's a really great one. But um, you know, there's a lot of cool design stuff that goes along with flags. It's like a whole segment of design, so it kind of fits a little bit with the course we're doing, but that's a public service, and that actually ties into the community the kids live in and is gonna make that work seem a little bit more important and real on top of other stuff. And you know, this goes along, the, the last idea we had goes along with all of this, but any sort of contest, we thought of like a, a photo contest where you, put out to the entire student body. Let's just say you wanna go large scale with this thing. Um, whoever has the best photograph and submits it here by this date, we're gonna vote and have that photo selected to be used for purpose X, whatever that's gonna be in the school. Maybe you're gonna have a, you know, like a large scale mural printed up to take up one of the walls in the school's media center and you want a photo of the actual school and the students in it to be a part of that that might tie in your photo contest. Or that could have something to do with athletics or school clubs or whatever it's gonna be, but uh, the, you know, the contest aspect where everybody gets to participate, and especially something like photos, it's not necessarily tied into something you have to be good at, right? Every, all the kids are walking around, at least at middle school and high school, with cell phones. They can all do it and get great results. I think that would be an awesome idea. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I think uh, it's a great way to get everyone involved, and it's a good way to teach proper social media skills, you know, how to utilize social media in, in an impactful and, you know, respectful way. All right, so let's get into our fifth and last uh, question. And for this one, Nick came up with a lesson idea, and I came up with a lesson idea. Um, for this question and we'll share both of those. So the question is I've I've got a lesson coming up on important Cold War era figures that is so boring. What is a creative way to engage students and make this seem relevant and important? It's a tough one because I'm not a history teacher. I know a little bit about the Cold War and kind of what it is, but you can imagine uh, or at least I tried to imagine like a history lesson that just focuses on like, I don't know, this is Ronald Reagan. He was the president from blank to blank and that could be super dry. So I kind of get what this person is saying. One thing that kind of popped into my mind is um, tying in the idea of like a, a trading card or if not a trading card, if you can picture playing a video game at the very beginning when you select like your character and you're scrolling through all the different characters in the game and it lists out like, oh, this guy has like, maybe there's a set of four skills or traits and this guy is really fast 
So his speed is super high, but his intelligence is, is super low, right? So there's like these rating scales to it and descriptions of each character and, and like a little bit of background. How cool would it be to take each of these Cold War era figures and have the kids design something like that for each one of those? So if Ronald Reagan is one of those characters, they would have to make a trading card for Ronald Reagan or a, like a video game selection screen for Ronald Reagan. If I was gonna do this, I would probably use Google Slides just to keep it easy. I would build out a template that I create so they all look similar. And then maybe that could be part of like the presentation at the end, each kid gets to uh, present their card or their, um, you know, whatever they come up with. Force copy that template out to the kids and just have them work on it. They can pull in pictures and text. This is cool because if you know, you, you can tailor it to your, your group, right? If Or give them options. You could say you can do a sports themed trading card style design or make it like a more of a Pokemon card. I don't really know if, there, if there's a big difference between those two because I don't know Pokemon cards, but I imagine they're different. You could offer up the, uh, you know, the choice to do both. It seems like you might know the difference between those two a little bit better than me. Would it work, what I'm describing? Yeah, it would work. You could gamify this very, very easily, yeah. or you could just use those cards and put those cards on a big bracket. Right. And you can talk about their strengths and weaknesses. And I loved everything you had to say, but I do have one question. Yeah. When you talked about your your person that is extremely fast but low intelligence, you kind of looked away when you said fast, and you looked at me when you said low intelligence. So are you are you you telling me I'm uh, you know slow and low intelligence? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. I would never right, dream. Checking. Would never dream of it. But I, no, I was actually thinking of uh, Ronald Reagan in that instance. Although I, I have no idea how really smart that dude was or how fast or slow. He was an he was. actor, right? Before he I was think pregnant. so. Present. Yeah, he he was. So, but that you know, that's neither here nor there. The point is, this could be really cool and tie in things that kids know, like experience points. They don't even have to all make sense. You could have like a rating system for even silly things like. You know, I mentioned speed, intelligence, attack strength, defense strength, just fun stuff to tie in so that when they're covering the historical part and learning about Ronald Reagan, they're a little bit more paying attention to it because they're it, enjoying it. It might make sense, uh, you as the teacher, to come up with four or five categories and then they right. have to rate them out of five stars and give a justification. Because then if you do pull in something like Flippity for the bracket, and you put those cards up there, there could be a little bit of a debate in class, which will help all this knowledge on these people sink in. Yes. And I kind of went with something similar with uh, my lesson plan. I called it a mystery person party. I'm, I'm almost thinking like, guess who meets a murder mystery party? All right, so what's gonna happen is uh, the students are gonna have a list of people to research, and maybe you assign one or two people per group of students or something like that. And they have to come up with uh, basically an image and a couple pictures maybe on there. I would say one to two images or pictures and then underneath that, come up with some interesting facts about that person. Or you just talked about those categories. You could also just use your cards that you talked about, hand them randomly out to a person and then what they have to do is they have the option to dress like them. They have to research them a little bit. 
they're given a couple of things um, that they could talk about during this party. I've always wanted to have a cereal party in my classroom. Maybe you have a cereal party and they're dressed up as these, uh, these uh, characters. And you have a couple different rounds that go on in this class period. In the first round, they get to move around. They can only ask one yes or no question in that first round. All right. In the second round, they could do the same thing. And these might be two-minute rounds. They could ask one yes or no question. And then whenever, after that second round, whatever they, they think they know about the person, if they want to take a guess at the person's name, they can do that by saying, are you this person? And if the person says yes, they get a point. And that person initials, you know, who they guessed right. And at the end of that period, after you go through several rounds, then what you have is, is a winner of the group. Or maybe there's a couple of winners within the group. And it's just a fun way to kind of, you know, get this activity. I will say the cereal party was uh, C.J. Reynolds' idea. Uh, I met him at the Teach Better conference. But, I mean, it just makes sense. Cereal party is amazing. Makes a lot of sense. And if the person who asked this Cold War era question is listening, we just turn your boring lesson into like a two to three week long mega project where kids are designing their own cards for each character. And then those cards are printed and handed out to assign murder mystery party IDs. And then they play the murder mystery, mystery party game. There's presentations there's everything all in one so you're welcome for that my friend just to go on with that not all of us have two to three weeks to work on these projects right. so you could easily say uh you know chunk it a little bit they all have to work on the cards and then maybe you know that half day before a break that you have 20 or 30 minutes in that class period maybe that's when you schedule this murder mystery or not murder mystery just mur mystery person's party for that day because let's be honest how how much do we really do on those days this is just a fun way of reinforcing something that we want them to have experience with or, or do and i think that's perfectly uh, acceptable too totally I think that wraps it up for our uh, questions, our hot topics questions from education. Thank you to everybody who sends in these questions. I hope those of you that tuned in to listen got something out of it and you learned about some new tech tools or got some new inspiration and ideas for your own classroom. As always, we end the episode asking you to do us some favors, mostly subscribing, hopefully on Apple Podcasts because that's the most popular player, but anywhere you listen, whether it's Spotify, Google, Stitcher, um, subscribe on those sources as well. Check out our YouTube page where you'll find tons of video content. That'd be cool too if you want to subscribe to that uh, YouTube channel. So anytime we add new stuff, you can be informed and stay up to date. We're on Twitter. I'm at Nick Got Teched. Eric is at Geist Got Teched. And the podcast that we got teched. Write us a review. We'd love to see new Apple reviews. Even if it's not a great review, that'd be fine too. Just let us know what you think and how we're doing. Check out gottech.com. That's our website where we post all of our 
episodes along with some blogs, some articles, some other resources and freebies. And also, we are part of the Teach Better Podcast Network, so if you head to, te- the, to uh, their website as well, you can find us and our show along with many, many other amazing podcasts. Really great resource. Check it out. Most importantly, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.